0: Okay, welcome back to Healthspan. This is part three of Young Forever by Dr. Mark Hyman. In this episode, I'll be discussing a wider range of topics, and this is gonna be my last episode of the book. This way I can move on to Peter Tia's book next. So I wanna begin this podcast by discussing eating for longevity. He starts off this chapter by a quote by Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Nowadays, there are so many nutritional nuances. If you're ever wondering what to eat for lunch, you are not alone. The confusion wrought by difficult to interpret nutritional science, compounded by the ideological diet wars is enough to make you give up and just eat that donut. However, the foundational principles of eating for health and longevity are not in dispute and can be summarized by Michael Pollan's quote that I talk about all the time, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And instead of getting into these nutritional nuances and these different diet camps like carnivores, veganism, vegetarianism, Mediterranean, I like to keep things simple, just like Peter Atia. You want to look at diet in three different levers, a calorie restriction, a diet restriction, and a time restriction. At some point, you should be doing all of these three things, and every day you should be doing at least one of these things. Either restrict your calories, restrict your diet, or restrict the time you eat. That's it. If you follow those two protocols, the quote by Michael Pollan, and these different levers by Peter Tia, you should be good to go. And of course, he talks about these nutrition in terms of the balancing your seven core systems and and how we can optimize these our our diet with um, you know these different phytochemicals and and he goes into detail about all these core systems that I mentioned in part two but I wanted to move forward and talk about these phytochemical hormesis and longevity. So eating stressed foods, this is something David Sinclair talks about all the time. But now that if, now that we know that if we eat stressed plants, our bodies respond by optimizing different pathways for health and longevity. For example, you have a tiny wild strawberry and you find it in the the harsh climate and you know that it really bursts with the flavor and also activates a lot of these different, you know, nutrient sensing pathways because of all the phytochemicals like phycetin in these pathways. However, a lot of them, a lot of us get our, you know, different strawberries or different plants from, you know, Costco or these other large brand stores. And the large starchy, you know, industrial strawberries may look good, but they taste, you know, very bland and Organic produce contains 10 to 15, 50% more phytochemicals than conventional produce. He has a quote in here. And he likes to call this relationship between plants and human humans this symbiotic phytoadaptation, otherwise known as xenohormesis or phytohormesis. Now, the only thing that all nutritional scientists really agree on in the health and longevity space, or I should say one of the few things that the different researchers in this field agree on is that our health and longevity are directly tied to the number of fruits and vegetables that we eat. And as we have seen with calorie restriction, fasting and exercise, phytochemicals again, induce a set of responses in the body that protect us from aging by activating or inhibiting critical processes in the body. For example, DNA repair, autophagy, and also these powerful antioxidant systems that we have in our body. Again, for example, these phytochemicals like sulforaphane, which Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about all the time. You can find it in things like broccoli, broccoli sprouts, and also these other chemicals like EGCG, which is a polyphenol found in green tea, have both been shown to activate the antioxidant pathway NRF2. This turns on, again, our antioxidant pathways and it's our antioxidant uh, enzymes that help get rid of free radicals and protect our DNA. And there's other examples that he gives here, for example, spermidine, which again, found in human sperm, but also found in things like mushroom, aged cheeses, soybeans, NATO. They also have been shown to extend lifespan in mice and people, likely likely through an autophagy mechanism, which I, I don't wanna get into now. But again we have these different phytochemical systems that help with our immune system and he gives an, another example of a polyphenol called urolithin A. So another promising longevity molecule, quote unquote longevity molecule is urolithin A. This is produced when certain gut bacteria often depleted in, you know, modern humans are are exposed to phytochemicals in pomegranate, berries, and walnuts. So you find urolithin A in these pomegranates, these berries, and walnuts, and this molecule really addresses two hallmarks of aging. The first is the decline in mitochondrial function and number, and it also addresses the inflammation part of the hallmark of aging. So urolithin A induces mitophagy, which is just the mitochondrial autophagy, but it also helps produce more mitochondria. It also seems to lower systemic inflammation when they measured the CRP levels, which is a marker for inflammation. And this was a study uh, by Singh et al in uh, 2022 out of the Cell Journal. And a recent randomized control trial that I just mentioned, they had uh, four months of these participants were taking the urolithin A, and the participants measured the leg muscle strength by by uh, certain exercises and the participants actually increased leg muscle strength by 12 percent improved their vo2 max by 10 percent and also improved physical performance measures like distance walked and also strength of the muscles all while doing zero exercise they were just taking this urolithin a does this mean you just have to take urolithin a and not exercise no obviously but the fact that we you know because since sarcopenia is such a critical feature of aging, a supplement that can really reverse it and improve muscle function as we age is a significant finding. So that's just one example of these different phytochemicals that you find in fruits and vegetables that really helped affect the longevity pathways. He has other examples here like berberine, curcumin, caffeine, EGCG again which I mentioned, uh, phycetin which I mentioned. He also talks about glucosamine, uh, curcumin, resveratrol, spermidine, which I mentioned, and, uh, sulforaphane, which I also mentioned. And again, you find these in fruits and vegetables. You can never consume enough fruits and vegetables. The next section is about protein. Protein and aging, where's the beef? Among the biggest controversies in nutrition and in the field of aging research is protein. Some declare plant proteins to be the only safe proteins for health and longevity. Are plant proteins the only safe type of protein for health and longevity? Others suggest meat is the best source of protein to prevent aging and sarcopenia. The key question is, to, is really how do we build muscle, which is the currency of healthy aging and prevent and reverse sarcopenia, while at the same time, not overstimulating the mTOR pathway and preventing autophagy, which is essential to recycle, repair, and renew how do we do both? The good news is that there was a group of world experts who really came along and helped answer this question. They formed the Pro age study group, and they reviewed evidence in certain areas of protein, which would be the protein needs for older people in good health, protein needs for older people with specific acute or chronic diseases like CKD, the role of exercise along with dietary protein for recovering and maintaining muscle strength, the practical aspects of providing dietary protein, and the use of functional outcomes to assess the impact of age and disease-related muscle loss and the effect of interventions. So what do we know about protein and aging and what do these proto-age experts find? So as people age, they lose muscle and bone and their immune systems decline in function. All systems that are highly dependent on the on high quality protein. And we know that older individuals have this quote unquote anabolic resistance, which is this idea that it is harder to build muscle as we get older and it requires more protein as, an, as someone who's older. Someone who's older needs more protein compared to a younger person to build muscle. And they also need more more protein because of this like inf- increased inflammation and oxidative stress in their body. And when the body is in a state of breakdown, it needs far more protein. The point is, as we age, we should be getting more protein, not less. And again, what did the proto-age experts find? To maintain and regain muscle, People over 60 years old need more dietary protein than younger people do, about 1.5 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. The per meal anabolic threshold of dietary protein and amino acid intake is higher in older individuals compared to those in younger adults. The protein source, you know, animal or plant, timing of intake and amino acid supplementation need To be considered when making recommendations for dietary protein intake by older adults so again what are the essential things to remember the average person needs about 25 to 40 grams of high quality protein per meal dependent on age activity and illness the best timing of protein intake is within an hour or two after exercise the best protein for muscle protein synthesis is animal protein because it contains higher amounts of leucine and creatine which are you know both needed for uh, you know exercise and also protein synthesis. Whey protein is the best source of easily absorbable high quality protein that's high in leucine and other key amino acids for muscle building. If you're using a plant protein it's important to supplement with leucine branch chain amino acids creatine and different phytochemicals and if you have poor kidney function your protein requirements are lower and you must work with your doctor to determine the right amount of protein for you. So this is what the Proto-Age came together and discussed. I highly agree with all the points that they're making. We should be getting about 1.5 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day of protein. The protein should be primarily from animal sources, but not necessarily have to be. And again, the people who are elderly, you know, over the age of 65, need more protein because of this anabolic resistance so that's the sum up the protein you should be eating high quality protein again i don't need to go into the nuances of of grass-fed and and grain-fed and and all that stuff high quality protein things like red meat chicken fish whey protein eggs even beans quinoa these are all high quality proteins that you can eat for now i'm going to be moving on to his next section which is moving for longevity of course, exercise has to be included in this book. Exercise the right dose, type and frequency optimizes all the biological systems. it improves the function and health of your mito- your microbiome, enhances immune function, boosts the number and function of your mitochondria, balances blood sugar, etc. It also helps with detoxification, helps with blood circulation, in essence affects all the hallmarks of aging. And it really doesn't take much. Fewer than 23% of Americans meet the recommended amount of exercise, which is, you know, from the American Cardiology Association is stating about 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week, which is really nothing. And again, walking is a great start. If you don't don't go to the gym, if you don't like to run or you can't run, walking is just a great place to start. You should be doing 150 minutes of moderate exercise uh, per week. And to move a little forward, he also has optimizing your lifestyle for longevity beyond diet and exercise. So our fast-paced society, full calendars, a lot of these different extracurricular activities, building careers, raising families, taking work home, has made self-care and mental health low priorities. The truth is you cannot live a healthy, happy, fulfilled life without, while neglecting to nourish your mind and spirit. Remember, I talked about last episode, the the exposome. It might be hard to imagine, but your thoughts, your feelings, beliefs, griefs, the joys, the sadness, the love and anger are all transmuted in biological signals that change your gene expression. Again, this is the exposome that I talked about. It's all those emotions that are washing over your genes and affecting your longevity. Mindset, again, another feature of spiritual health is also scientifically important. And we know having a sense of purpose is associated with overall well-being and improvement, improvements in physical and cognitive health, re- reduce, reduction in depressive symptoms, and slower aging. So I always hearken back to the quote-unquote ikiga of the Okinawans, which is roughly translated for purpose. They all have a purpose in life. They all, They all have a reason to stay alive. They all have a reason to get up in the morning. So taking care of yourself, practicing self-love and self-compassion, working on a growth mindset, building relationships and community, and having a sense of purpose are crucial to living a fulfilling, long and healthy life. And to expand on this a little bit more, there is a quote by uh, there's a study done by Dr. Robert Butler. He, he was the first director of the National Institute of Aging. He performed a study that looked at having a sense of purpose and life expectancy. He found that people who have a clear sense of purpose a reason to get up in the morning lived up to seven years longer than those who didn't have a clear purpose. So how can you find your purpose? Richard Leiter, who authored the Power of Purpose book, provides a useful framework for identifying, identifying your purpose. He says that your gifts plus your passions and values equal your purpose. Dig deep to find what you love and follow that road. So I thought that was a good quote and a good uh, piece of practical advice. The next chapter is all about hormesis. Again, what doesn't kill you makes you live longer. So activating healing and repairing mechanisms. He goes here into calorie restriction, a form of hormesis. We know the holy grail of aging science is Hacking calorie restriction, we know it activates these different nutrient-sensing pathways. There's different forms of calorie restriction. In fact, uh, time-restricted eating and intermittent fasting are forms of calorie restriction. He also talks about heat therapy like saunas. Again, he also goes into cold therapy and the large amount of effects on boosting endorphins, strengthening our immune system, obviously lowering inflammation boosting metabolism, activating brown fat, increasing dopamine, all the beneficial effects of of cold therapy. He also talks about exercise again, and we know two things are highly correlated with longevity. The first is a good aerobic capacity as measured by VO2 max. And the second thing that we know for sure is that muscle mass and function are almost correlational to longevity. The more muscle mass that we have, the longer we live. And the bottom line: this is the most, exercise is the most powerful, hormetic, health-creating, life-extending strategy you can use, and it's available to anyone. Want to be healthy, live longer, and prevent frailty and disability as you age? Get moving and start lifting stuff. He also talks about light therapy. So I use a red light device every night. We know this is a form of quote unquote photobiomodulation. These different length of waveforms that have infrared and near infrared light help with eyesight, help with collagen production, help with, you know, cognitive abilities, skin aging, all that stuff. So it's important to use a red light if you can afford it. He talks about ozone therapy in here. He talks about hyperbaric oxygen um, therapy. He also talks about hypoxia which is a lack of oxygen. So, Tibet, there's an area in the world called Tibet where people live at high altitudes in hypoxic or you know, these low energy or low oxygen states. And Tibetans have usually a high an unusual high percentage of centenarians and something that possibly triggers the longevity pathways is this hypoxia. So the stress of low oxygen triggers the production of different transcription factors like hypoxia inducible factor which Joel Green talks about all the time and also helps regulate more than 100 genes so we turn on this HIF or hypoxia inducible factor and we know these short bursts of low oxygen states can really trigger an adaptive hormetic response this is why it's always good to challenge yourself aerobically try doing hill sprints and really put yourself in an oxygen deprived state and low oxygen states also increase the production of stem cells and the formation of new blood vessels to help the body get more oxygen. So, those are some of the benefits of being in a hypoxic state. Now, onto the very last kind of chapter the paradigm shift or the reframing of ideas as an inevitable part of getting older to aging as a treatable disease is driving. Billions of dollars in investment and research that will transform the landscape of health and longevity. This is where he gets into the real, you know, future of of aging and longevity like stem cells, you know, stem cell injections and also also exosomes and, you know, these different peptides. He goes through a list of peptides that I talked about in Life Force by Tony Robbins. If you check out my podcast on that book, I do a much deeper dive in, into what peptides are and the different types. But he also talks about them in this podcast, in this you know, this diff, this book as well. Like thymus and alpha 1, which helps with the immune system, BPC 157, which helps activate different growth factors, Surmorlin and Tesimorlin, these different um human growth hormone related peptides, they help with uh, increasing muscle mass and mobilizing fat storage. He also talks about mitochondrial peptides like humanin and MOTS and ss 31 He also talks about uh, PT-141, mel- uh, melanotan, and GSK-copper. Again, if you want more information into these peptides, I highly recommend you check out my Life Force book by Peter Diamandis and also uh, Tony Robbins. So I'm going to end the podcast here. He does have this Young Forever program, which is a step by step roadmap to diagnosing the imbalances in your system that I talked about and also to how to implement a radical change in your health. Um, I feel like this this chapter is the Young Forever program that he offers is really an overview of what I discuss in, in my multiple podcasts. So for now, this is going to be the last episode of this book. Again, this way I can move on to Peter Tia's book. Um, but I, I hope you enjoyed this three-part series of the book. This book, it really highlighted the hallmarks of aging. It really gave a quick shot into what exactly we can do to promote our health and longevity. And again, Mark Hyman is a highly qualified source. You can check him out on different podcasts. He has his own podcast called The Doctor's Pharmacy. He's also on YouTube. You can go check them out. so I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope you tune in for the next episode of of this episode, of this podcast where I discuss Peter Tia's book. and again, thank you for listening.